Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Our is that people will get on fire excited about what God wants to do in this community because you realize that the news says a whole lot about this community and it's had a lot of negative things to say. But how many of you know that God doesn't place you somewhere that's going under? If you're a child of God, doesn't, God doesn't put you someplace that is falling apart, going under. He's put you somewhere to turn some things around. Amen. And that's what God has called us to do. And, and in regards to the landscape, I want to read this definition to you because it's very significant and really it stood out to me. And that is concerning the landscape or changing the landscape. I want to read this to you because here is one particular definition. It says, landscape is defined as, my phone will cooperate with me, all the visible features of an area of the countryside or the land often considered in the terms of their aesthetics appeal. Another definition is uh, changing its appearance. A distinctive feature or particular situation or intellectual activity. So in regards to changing the landscape, God's desire is not just to change the bushes in the community add flowers to it to make it look prettier. God says that for us as a church, as a people, he wants us to really begin to change the way things appear in this greater Flint area. Amen? And so that means that God wants to use you and he wants to use me. And wouldn't wouldn't it be great if you had some inside information to know how God wanted to go about doing that? In fact, the more information that you have, the greater the ability that you have to be a part of that process, right? So concerning insider information and how it has the ability to change somebody's life, do you remember back in 2004, there was this woman, probably none of you you have ever heard of her, but her name was Martha Stewart. Anybody know who Martha Stewart is? You know, she was the, the, the queen of TV and cooking and all the just, I mean, she had quite the empire, didn't she? But in 2004, she was prosecuted for insider trading in some stocks that she had. She had gotten some information to know that these stocks were going bad, and she was able to sell them and make a big profit before everything went under. And so as a result of having having insider information, she was persecuted. She was persecuted and was sent to prison for five months Because she had inside information. See, the more that you know, the more that you have the ability to change things, right? Well, in regards to changing the landscape or in in terms of, of us knowing some things, having insider information, if we know what God's heart is and what God's desire is, we can begin to make some changes because we know the outcome, right? Now, In regards to this life, in regards to some things that we see, things can oftentimes seem seem real crazy. It seems like they're they're falling apart. It seems as though everything just is not uh, what it should be, right? 
There's people that are telling you that there's global warming and our world's falling apart. There's those that are trying to uh, give you the information that Korea's got nuclear bombs and the, world of the, the end of the world's coming soon. Or they might be talking about Russia or the Middle East or all these different things that gives you the impression that this world is coming to, to an end. But we've got inside information and that is, is that we win. Amen. Jesus is coming soon, and he says, I'm not coming back for a world that's destroyed. I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. I'm coming back for a people that are ready to change the world. So listen, it might look bad out there, but listen, we've got inside information that we win, and God says, I'm going to take care of you. Now, that doesn't mean that things around us might get a little squirrely. And obviously they do, don't they? But listen to what the Bible says here in Psalms 97. Psalms 97, verses 7 and 8, it says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you, only with your eye shall look, or with your eye you shall look, and see the reward of the wicked. Notice what it said. He said, A thousand may fall at your side around you, And even 10,000 may fall at your right hand, meaning real close to you. He says, but listen, it's not gonna, it's not gonna hurt you. All you're actually gonna do is you're gonna see it with your eyes, but God is gonna restore you. God is gonna take care of you. In the midst of all the things that are going on, it will by no means harm you. Psalms 23 says this in verse 5. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Amen. The Bible says that God prepares a table for you in the midst and in the presence of your enemy. So if you thought you were going to live this life without any trouble, if you thought you were going to live this life without anybody opposing you, got news for you. God says you're going to have stuff going on around about you. He says there's even going to be people that oppose you, and really we call them your enemies. But he says what the enemy has tried to do to destroy your life, whatever they plot against you, it will not come to fruition. He said, for God has anointed you. What's the anointing? It's the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God on your life. So that means whatever burn comes your way, whatever yoke the enemy tries to put around you and and contain you, God says, my power on your life sets you free and makes you stand strong. Amen? It's my anointing upon your life that will cause you to step up and step out. And not only that, he says, your cup runs over. He said, your cup runs over. So in the midst of everything going around us, we don't just barely get by. We don't scrape by. He says, man, you've got more than enough. It runs over. I've got a a question for you. Do you you think God knows when your cup is full? Yeah. But how many of you know his definition for full is different than your full? I like his definition of full better than mine. Because he said when he's full, full isn't full to him until it's running over. Amen. Running over what? In health. Running over in joy. Running over in, in just the, the blessings of God in my life. Amen. I've had people look at me and my wife and say, how come your marriage is what it is? It just seems like it's bubbling over. You guys just like one another. I said, well, we just put on a good show in front of you. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, you always put your good face on first, you know. But no, what is it? It is the joy of the Lord that God begins to work on the inside of a husband and wife that looks different than those that are outside in the world. Right? Our cup runs over and this is the desire for God we've got inside information that God desires for us to get ahead in life 
But the thing is, is that it has always been this way from the very beginning. God desires for his people, his kids, to have success in life. But there has always been opposition, right? God put Adam and Eve in the garden, and he says, now, you subdue it, which means conquer. Well, how how do you conquer something if it's not opposing you? That must mean that there is something that's there that's opposing what God wants to do in your life. And obviously we know it's the devil or it's the enemy. Right from the very beginning, there's been an enemy that has been trying to hold us down, hold us under, and not have us being able to receive all that God desires in our life. And as we look through all the stories of the Word of God, we begin to find that there's always been opposition. In the midst of success, in the midst of God's victory, there's always still turmoil going on around us, trying to keep us from receiving. And if you remember concerning the story of Noah... Noah was a good example for us to see God's hand and God's mercy. Noah, the Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. And God had a conversation with him and said, listen, I've chose you. I've chose you to change the landscape. I've chose you to be a a vessel that will turn things around. I've chose you because there's judgment that's coming. He said, I'm going to flood the earth he says but now here's what I want you to do I want you to build an ark and so he followed the instructions of the Lord now why did God choose Noah to be the one that would change the landscape well one the Bible says that he was righteous before God he had a heart for God And the Bible says this, that there were four different things in the Scripture that tells us what was going on in the earth. It says that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. It says every imagination and thought uh, of his hearts were evil, and they were evil continually. It says that the earth was filled with violence. It says that the earth was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted or was corrupted in his ways on the earth. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Seems like all around us you find just wickedness, you find evil thoughts, you find corruption. And God says, that's why we're changing the landscape. We're changing the landscape because things have gotten out of control. And we've got to have a start, a new start, a way to redeem the plan that I have. Do you realize that it took Noah approximately a hundred years to build the ark? I mean, think about that. They've never seen rain before. They didn't know what big boats were back then. But God says to Noah, he says, now I want you to build a boat so big that it can fit two of every kind of animal. I mean, it was a big boat, right? And think, it took him a hundred years to build this thing. I mean, do you think he had opportunity to get discouraged along the way? God, you said, you said, God, but where's my help? You said, God, how come I'm having to do this all by myself? You said, God, but man, it seems like, you know, it's been 50 years. It's been 75 years. It's been 90 years. God, what's going on here? All the while, you know he's getting persecuted by everybody around him. What are you doing, Noah? (laughs) Serving God. What are you doing, Noah? Just obeying God. What is that thing? 
You think you're so high and mighty? Man, that's an awful big house. No, it's not a house. It's a boat. (laughs) What's a boat? I don't know, this thing that God told me to build. I mean, think of the persecution that Noah faced just purposing to trust God. But in the midst of trusting God, it was going to literally change the landscape of the entire world. Because he chose to obey God. Why? Because he had inside information. I've often wondered, what did the world look like once the the flood had dissipated? In in preparing for this, I I started to think, well, it must have been really ugly. You know, when you think about water starting to dissipate, it must have been just a muddy mess, and it must have just looked horrible. But as I was studying for this, the Lord said to me, he says, oh, no. He said, by the time they ever saw land, The plan was already starting to be put in motion. And what caused the world to be so ugly in the first place was the wickedness of men. Now, it was just Noah and his family. And all the other wickedness had been removed from the earth. The sin nature was still there in the earth. But all the wickedness of men and the corruption of hearts and minds, it was gone. For the first time in a long time, the glory of God and the presence of God could fill the earth like God desired for it. After the flood, it had to be so glorious, it had to be so beautiful, far better than what it was before the flood. Are you seeing this? Why? Because the wickedness used to be to the point where it was filling the earth. Now, it was just Noah and his family. What's God wanting to do? He's wanting to restore his presence. He's wanting to renew his church. He's wanting to touch a community. He's wanting to change a landscape. But he's got to use people that are saying, I'm willing to be used by you, God. What do you think a church is? A church is really nothing more than an ark to bring people in, to help them escape from the wickedness and the corruption of the world, to come to know and experience the presence of God in a true and intimate way. Amen? We've got inside information. Inside inside information changes the landscape. And any time a person has inside information and he begins to act on it, it always begins to impact generations. Amen? Think about it. If you had inside information that if you made investments, it would set you up for the rest of your life. Would that change your children's life? Sure it would. Would it change maybe their children's life? Very well. Possibly could. See, the, 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 the acting upon or being obedient to God's word, that inside information that God's got it all under control, it impacts generations. It impacts families. It impacts people's lives because we act upon the word of God that's been given to us. Another individual that is very closely related to, to, to Noah, is Abraham. Abraham changed the landscape of eternity. He was obedient to God as well. And as a result, God made him a promise and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Why did he choose Noah? Because he was righteous, had a heart for God. Why did he choose Abraham? We said that whenever you respond to God's call, it changes generations. 
Here's what it said about Abraham. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, it says, For I have known him, God speaking of Abraham, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the ways of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Why did God choose Abraham? Because he knew that he would be a father that would command his children and raise them up in the ways of the Lord and teach them the ways that they should go. And as a result, he became a father that changed generations because he had a heart for family. See, that was, that's what God, God's all about, is building his family. He's wanting to build his family, but he's looking for a people that will say, God, help me help you build your family. Show me what I must do. Give me the information. Give me the tools. Let me make a difference. Let me make an impact. Let me change the landscape of this community and build your family. That's what Abraham did. He says, here am I. Use me, God. But now think about Abraham. He was 100 years old. 100 years old. He had not been able to have children thus far because of Sarah. She was unable to have children. And God says, I'm going to use her to build the family. Now, God, that's great inside information, but I've got inside information to the inside information, and she's not been able to have kids yet. And God says, can you trust me? Yes, God. And in Romans 4, the Bible says that Abraham counted God faithful. He didn't consider his body, but said, God, you're faithful to promise, and I trust you. I've got inside information Well, think about that. Anybody that has that kind of information, God says, I'm going to give you a son. At some point in time, you know that that information is going to slip out. As much as we try to keep those things in, people might think I'm squirrely. People might think I'm radical. People might think I'm just weird if I tell them what God said to me. God's not saying anything to you, then I'd be questioning whether or not you can hear him or not. Because God's wanting to talk to us all the time, right? Hear people say, man, I, I don't know about those people. They say they hear from God. Well, if you're not hearing from God, I'm, I'm scared, that, scared that you don't know who he is, right? So he said this, he, or, or you can imagine he said this at some point in time. God said to me, I'm going to have a son. The promise didn't come to fruition for 25 more years. Do you think Abraham faced some opposition? Sure. Do you think that the enemy came and tried to bring turmoil to his life? Sure. In fact, we see that they tried to help God, and they used their maidservant to try to have a child, right? Anytime you try to help God in your own strength, you get in trouble every time. So obviously, they had some influences, some things that were talking in their ears, the enemy trying to thwart the plan of God. But finally... He says, no, God, you're faithful. I've got inside information. And the Bible says that he finally had that son that God promised. But here's the thing. When you have a heart to follow God, God will use you to change the landscape. When you purpose to heed the voice of God as he gives you direction, it will change the scenery round about you. 
It doesn't matter if there's a thousand that are falling at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. It doesn't matter whether your table that is set and and the promise is before you. It's going to be in the presence of your enemies, but God says, I'm going to see to it that the promise comes to pass. The inside information is going to change your landscape. Abraham was blessed by God, but he got wind of that his nephew Lot was over in Sodom and Gomorrah. Once again, wickedness had crept back into the world. It was good for a very long stint of time, but it got worse and worse and worse and worse until it came to the place of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God says to Abraham, he says, I'm going to destroy the city. You know what Abraham did? He went to interceding for those people. He says, wait a minute, God. He says, God, he says, if there's at least 50 righteous there, will you save that city? And God says, Okay, because you asked me, I'll save it. Okay, God, if there's 45, will you save it? Okay, because you asked me, 45. If there's 45 righteous there, I'll save the city. Then Abraham says, well, what if there's 40? God says, okay. What if there's 30? God says, okay. What if there's 20? God says, okay. He finally got down to the number 10. He says, God, if there's 10 righteous In Sodom, he says, will you spare those people? Will you spare the city? And God says, yes. But God couldn't find ten righteous there. If he hadn't stopped at ten, what if he said to God, God, I plead on their behalf. If there's just one righteous there, will you save them? I believe God would have honored that because he honored all the others. What's the point? When you have a heart to follow God, the influence that you have with God has tremendous power. When you have a heart for your city, God backs you up. When God says, will you, will you let me use you to change the landscape? And you said, God, if there's just one righteous, will you save this city? And God says, I'll do it for you. Come on, there's got to be at least 10 righteous in this room right now, isn't there? If he did it back then, if he honored God's word back then, if he honored what Abraham asked of him back then, how about now? God, if you can find at least a handful of righteous people that have a heart to see this greater Flint area turned around, will you save this city? Will you pour out your glory? Will you pour out your presence? Will you turn it around? Will you change the landscape? Will you use me to do it, Lord? And God says, because you ask, I'll do it. Amen? See, God just wants for us to use the inside information that we have. What is that? Jesus already came and made this city free. God already came and paid the price, shed the blood of Jesus so that this city could be restored. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people have said. I don't care what the news says. This city is coming back. It is being restored. There are businesses, there are, there are corporations that are coming. This city is going to thrive. It's going to be what it once was and even more. Why? Because we're saying, God, just use us to change the landscape. Use us to change the landscape. Now, here's what it says in Luke chapter 17. This is what Jesus said. When you have inside information, you have the ability to use it to your disposal. Jesus said this, As it is written in the days of Noah, so will be also in the day of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, 
and they married wives. They were giving, given into marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them. Likewise, it was also in the day of Lot, or Sodom and Gomorrah. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day that Lot went into Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be when the day of the Son of Man is revealed. Here's the inside information. Jesus said, when I come back to get my church, it's going to look like the days of Noah. When I come back to get my church, it's going to look very close like Sodom and Gomorrah. And if we don't live in those days right now, I don't know what a better picture is. Now, that's not a scary picture. That's actually a picture that gets you stirred up on the inside. Because Jesus said, it's time to change the landscape. He says, if you'll just ask on my behalf, I'll save your city. Amen? What are we here for? Not just to do our time and say, okay, God, come and get us. No, he says, come on, let's make a difference while we're here. Let's change some things while we're here. That's why we exist, to make a difference, to change the landscape. Let me close with this verse here in Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33, it's a lengthy passage of Scripture, but I want you to really pay attention. It says, Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will bring the greater Flint area health and healing. I will heal them. I'll heal the people, and I'll reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. I will cause the captivity of of Flint and the captivity of all the Genesee County area which they have sinned against me. He says, I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it. Thus says the Lord, again there shall be heard in this place of which you say, It is desolate. You're talking all these good things about Flint. You're talking all these good things about Genesee County. It's desolate. There's no life there. Without man and without beast in the city of of the greater Flint area, in the streets of, of Genesee County that are desolate, without man and without an habitation, or without bridegroom and, about the, with, and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, "Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord God, or for the Lord is good, for His mercy endures forever." And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captivity of the land to return as the first, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts: In this place, in the greater Flint area, which is desolate, without man and without beast. And in all the cities, there shall again be a dwelling place of shepherds causing their flocks to lie down. So what does that tell me? I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. So that tells me that God's restoring this greater Flint area. So that me as a pastor, I can help lead a group of people to lay down and say, look at what God has done. Look at the peace. Look at the joy. Look at the restoration that God has done. This is a good place to be. This isn't a place we run from. This is a place that we want to set up family, set, set uh, uh, family stakes and ties. And we're purposing to change the landscape because of what God said he wants to do. Amen. We've got inside information. God's called us for such a time as this. He's called us to change 
the way things look. Poverty has to turn. Sickness has to turn. Marriages have to turn. Back in the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of John G. Lakes. He had a ministry in Spokane, Washington. And because of his ministry, it was known as the healthiest city in the nation. People went to his ministry and God did tremendous things. Went to his service and God changed their lives. When people come to GVC, what are they doing? They're coming to a place to find God. Amen? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a couple questions this morning. If you're here this morning, you're not here by chance. If you don't have a church home, it's not by accident. And if you're looking at your landscape and saying, God, I sure wish it looked different. Then you're here in the right place at the right time. First question that I have for you. It's easy to talk about this natural side of life. But beyond this natural side of life, there is eternity. And there is a landscape that God said belongs to those that rejected Him. Its eternity is separated from His presence. A place called hell. It has never been God's desire, nor has God ever sent any person to that place to know that landscape but on the contrast he said I want to give you inside information I sent my son Jesus to die for you to take the punishment for your sin and if you'll use that inside information and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life your eternal landscape will change And you'll find yourself being in eternity with me. And friend, listen. That decision, based on that information, has the power to change this natural landscape. And so if you're here this morning and you'd say, I don't know where I'm going. If I was to die right now, if today was my last, if I breathed my last breath... I don't know where I'd go. I don't know if I'd spend eternity in heaven or hell. Then I want to give you that opportunity to respond to the information I just shared. That God loves you and that Jesus died for you. And I want to give you that invitation. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, on the count of three, I want you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to call you out. With everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, you can just raise your hand quietly where you're at. If you're here and you're thinking, God, I don't know. I've 
felt like I've walked away from you. I feel a million miles away, but I just want to make today that day that I know that I came back home and recommitted my life. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand as well. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you want to recommit your life to Him, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I see that hand back there. You put it down, would you put it up? Anybody else? Anybody else? You say, I just want to make sure that I'm right with God. I want to make a decision to follow Him. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Just one more time. If you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life or I want to recommit my life to Him, would you just raise your hand? All right, I saw those two hands. If you wish you would have, and we're going to pray a prayer in just a minute. Now, one last thing before we pray together. I said that it's our job as a church to go and reach people. People just don't by chance come to church. It's not what they do. The number one way is to have somebody invite them. So as we get ready to pray... I want you to ask God, give me a name, give me a face of somebody that I need to invite this week to come to church. It's not going to be a random person. It's going to be that one that God gives you inside information about, that their heart is ready, that it's the season, it's the time. And when you give the invitation, they'll accept it and come. Just ask them as we pray. Ask God to give you that face, give you that name. And then just act on that this week. Step out confidently and boldly and say, God, use me. Let me change my landscape by giving an invitation for somebody to come to church. Now, as a church, let's all collectively pray this prayer together. As those that have raised their hand those that have said I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life I want to know for sure that I'll spend eternity with him let's pray this prayer together dear heavenly father thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins he hung on the cross he went to the grave he went to hell for me and on the third day you rose him from the dead he is alive forevermore So I ask you now, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And give me direction how to change my landscape. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, pray this with me. Father, give me a name. Give me a face. Show me the person I need to invite. I trust you now that you're going to lead me to the right person that's ready to receive you said the harvest is ready and I purpose right now to follow your direction we thank you now that next week many will come to know you in Jesus name and everyone said amen 
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.